Thursday, 6.32 p.m. Hi, this is Lawrence McCumphrey, trying to reach Jory Bradford. Your friend Dora gave me your number. I get the feeling I blindsided you on Tuesday. Give me a call back at this number. Thanks. Thursday, 7.25 p.m. Hey, heads up. I gave your number to Lawrence earlier. He was pestering me for it literally all day. I know he freaked you out last time, so if he gets weird again, don't be afraid to kick him where the good lord split him. Anyways, I got a tour coming in in like five, so stay safe. Don't do anything I would do. Friday, 10.37 a.m. Hey, it's Lawrence again. I'm gonna be pissed if Dora gave me a fake number. Look, I'll be at the Oakland house today. Come by if you're free. I'd like to clear up some things if you'll let me. I'll be in the library there from 11 to 5. Friday, 1.30 p.m. It's Lawrence again. Dora promises me on her own grave that this is the right number. Call me. Please. Friday, 1.31 p.m. Oh my god, did you not tell your dad you're back? He came to Oakland House looking for you. I had to cover for you. To be fair, he didn't believe me, so he did leave me with a message, which is basically, um, don't do anything else, otherwise Sheriff Davidson is going to arrest you and he won't stop him. By the way, this is a terrible time to turn off your phone. There's too much happening right now. Like, what if someone was dead? What if Lawrence was dead? That's not a good example. What if I was dead? Saturday, 7.47 p.m. <sighs> it's me. Again. Look. I need to explain. I apologize if I made you uneasy last week. I think we could help each other. I'll even let you record it for the documentary thing. I'll be at the Oakland house tonight until 8.30. If you're free to meet. After that, I'm back in the city until Tuesday. I was at Oakland house by 8 p.m. This is a story exploring the search of one missing person, the remnants of corrupted reputation, and the darkness of our hometowns. This is That Creepy Podcast. I might have found something. Better hide it then. Time's up. You have company. Thanks for listening. People always talk about golden hour and sunset, but I believe Harker is its prettiest at dusk. Like, it's fought the sun all day and takes a deep breath once it dips below the horizon. 
This is when I arrive at Oakland House. I'd gone deep into research mode the days leading up to this, not just for John, but also Lawrence, and had been largely isolating myself, turning my phone off for days at a time. So by the time I received his message on Tuesday, I finally felt like we could meet on level ground. Dora has always told me not to spend time in Oakland House at night alone, although I never asked why, opting to trust her knowledge of the unknown over my skepticism. So when I peered through the windows and didn't see anyone in the main foyer... I texted Lawrence. He met me on the antebellum porch. He looked more rumpled than what I'd come to assume was normal. His tie, normally cleanly knotted, was loosened and crooked slightly to his right. There were bags under his eyes which hadn't been there on Tuesday. It's even hot when the sun is down. Sure you don't want to come inside? Afraid of the ghosties? No, but I'm afraid of what my own mind might imagine in a dark old mansion. And I'm not a big fan of doors around you. That's fair. Look, I... Lawrence Blake McCumphrey, former detective in the New Orleans Police Department. You currently hold a private investigative license, although I couldn't find any advertisements online, so I assume you're not taking jobs right now unless they're under a federal contract. Because I couldn't find any information on that. Or I'm just a shit private investigator. Yeah, I doubt that. And none of this really surprises me. I mean, you told me you'd been a cop, but there is one thing. McHumphrey? Really? Is that even a real last name? Agreed. It's not great, but we don't choose our family. You should know that as well as anybody. Marjorie Eleanor Bradford. It's Jory. Oh, I know. I knew who you were well before Dora introduced us. But I'll save the embarrassment of proving just how good at my job I am and cut to the chase. Yeah, I was with the NOPD special crime on and off for years. But work like that makes you old. Makes you tired fast. So after a few extra hard years, I left. I've been back in Atlanta for about a year and a half working privately and helping out here. But a few months ago, something happened. And I took a break from formal investigation work. Decided to focus on Oakland. What happened? First, I need you to agree to let me see that letter. You're so shady. But it seems I have no choice. Fine. Thank you. Well, almost four months ago, I was walking out this very front door, headed home after spending the afternoon scanning papers, when I saw him. The person you and Harker know is John Smith. I'd seen him before, just under a different name. I'd examined his corpse before, and there he was, walking down the sidewalk, drinking a coffee from Bean and Brew like it was completely normal. In case you didn't know, hey, weren't you dead, isn't a good conversation starter. So I let him go. But I couldn't keep myself from it for long. His corpse? In New Orleans, just before I left. We had a grim missing persons case that I was secondary on. The guy had worked at a coffee shop in the city and had lived in his residence for a while. His co-workers reported him missing after he didn't show up for a few shifts, but other than that, there was nobody worried about him. No close friends and definitely no family on record. That's not normal for someone young with a home and a job. That's why I got moved to the special crimes unit. My team gained access to his only address on record, this little shotgun by the river, but virtually all personal items were gone. Just like the cabin. Exactly. There was a couch, a bed, a dresser, your bare minimum essentials, but no electronic besides a landline. After tearing the place apart, we found one personal item. A letter. 
Yep. This is a lot. I, I get it now. Why you want the letter so badly? To see if it's similar to the one from Nola. But what about his corpse? Alleged corpse. After a few days, we found a bloated corpse a ways down the river. Once a body decomposes that much, it's impossible to tell age, race, sex. My team assumed it was his, but I was pulled off the case right after the medical examination. It was ruled a suicide by drowning and closed the next week. So you can imagine the shock when I saw his face walking down the sidewalk like a happy little ghost. I'd probably pass out. Probably. You telling me all this. Does this mean you're helping me now? No. I work alone. But there's more I can tell you, and I think that there's more you can tell me too. Just not here. Even the trees have eyes and ears, and I've already said a lot. The trees have eyes. Lawrence's last statement made my stomach drop. Memories of the letter hidden in the floorboard of my home came flooding back to me. Was it true? Was there more here than I had let myself see, but all the outsiders pick up on? Bloody dirt and trees that watch and listen. I hadn't noticed the moment the last remnants of the sun had disappeared from the sky, and now we stood in total darkness, save for the street lamp flickering down the sidewalk. It was too much, too quick, and some part of me knew I'd barely scratched the surface. I've always been someone quick to learn a new skill or retain new knowledge, but... Had I gotten in way over my head? Something told me I had tragically miscalculated this time. This wasn't like spelunking or even the time I spent the night at a haunted castle. It was bigger, scarier, and the reality had finally hit me. But even as I stood there battling my inner voices, I couldn't let go. Okay, what next? <clears throat> I need that letter. I'm back at my apartment at EAV this week. We can meet there if you're okay with that. You can bring Dora, I guess. Um, there's some stuff I'd like to show you anyway. I told Lawrence we had a career day at the library this week, so I'd have to check my schedule, given that East Atlanta was 45 minutes away. I think he knew what I was really saying. I need time to think. His face slipped into its usual mixture of annoyance and apathy as he adjusted his tie back to perfection and said goodbye, not bothering to offer to walk me home. With a handshake, we parted ways. It's 1.03 a.m. on, I guess, technically Monday morning, not really Sunday night. I spent most of today, Sunday, reading. I swung by the library and brought home some of the books that John checked out before disappearing, and they're just as weird as I remember. I found one particularly interesting, a book called Operation Paperclip. During and right after World War II, the U.S. government brought over German scientists, including the infamous von Braun. Basically, the book explains how they got around Truman's no-Nazi rule, and it's super interesting. There's also an introduction to criminology and, hold on. There's a collection of American poets, you know, Walt Whitman, Robert Frost, typical stuff. There's a page ripped out of the section for Edgar Allan Poe. I already put in an order for a new edition for the library, but I'm not familiar enough with Poe's work to know which one was ripped out. I'll have to ask Dora tomorrow. Man, my eyes hurt. I am really tired. I need some more tea. I woke the next morning after only three hours of sleep with 
and urge. All night I've been in and out of really weird dreams. The kind where you can see the surface of your own consciousness while you're in them, but you can't actually get out. You swim up, but you can't break the surface. I dreamed of John's house. Of his land. I dreamed of walking through the woods. I could feel the bark under my fingers like I was actually there. And I smelled... uh, fire. But I couldn't see any flame or smoke. I knew the second the sun rose what I had to do. So at 6 a.m. I grabbed a ball cap, slipped on my vans, and I left. I'm here at the cabin, parked a few miles off just in case. And of course, there's still a policeman. Damn it. If my cousin Henry hadn't transferred to Atlanta, I could call him to help, but I'll just have to be smart about it, I guess. I can still check the land. I don't even really know why I'm here. The dream just felt so... real. It seemed almost disrespectful or something to ignore it. Here goes nothing. The trees have eyes, this town has ears. The trees have eyes, this town has ears. Lawrence's words ran through my head repetitively. I walked around the cabin's property as quietly as possible so I wouldn't alert the cop on watch. The last thing I needed was Sheriff Davidson cuffing me. Fifteen minutes passed. Those words wouldn't stop. I gently shut my eyes and kept walking, brushing my fingers against the trees like in the dream. The trees have eyes, the town has ears. The trees have eyes, the town have ears. The trees have eyes, this town has ears. The trees have... Oh my god, Jory, use your eyes. When my fingertips couldn't reach another tree, I knew I must have hit a clearing. I opened my eyes and turned clockwise to face the direction of John's cabin. And there, engraved on the trunks of the trees you could only see when standing in that spot, facing that way, was the word stay. An eye carved beside the Y. I grabbed my phone to take a picture. No bars. No cell service. And the trees had eyes. It was time to go. I ran. The cop on watch shouted for me to stop, but I kept running. I reached my car and peeled away. Dora! Oh, please be here. I'm in the office. What's up? Oh, thank God. If this was the one day a year you take off, I was going to die. I really stepped in it this time. Slow down, breathe, and explain. So I did. I explained everything that had happened in the last 48 hours. Dora was mostly quiet, listening intently with her dark eyes focused. Only when I was finished did she ask me to go get the poetry book. And I did. So this is it. There's no index anywhere. She flipped through the section on Edgar Allan Poe, thoughtfully sucking on her teeth. Eyes no longer sharp, but soft and lost in thought. Huh. Alone. You want me to leave you alone? No, no, you're missing the poem alone. It's basically Poe looking back on his childhood and how he felt like an outcast basic, moody, goth shit. It wasn't even published until after he died, which makes it extra goth. So I sat with my haunted-eyed friend, hidden behind the oak desk with a cup of tea that had been brewed for me, listening to the soft voices and footsteps of tourists in the Oakland House foyer. Dora worked quietly, organizing flyers, sending emails. And after a few minutes, she began to recite under her breath. From childhood's hour, I have not been 
as others were I have not seen, as others saw I could not bring my passions from a common spring. From the same source I have not taken, my sorrow I could not awaken, my heart to joy at the same tone, and all I loved, I loved alone. Then in my childhood in the dawn of a most stormy life was drawn. From every depth of good and ill, the mystery which binds me still. From the torrent or the fountain, from the red cliff of the mountain, from the sun that round me rolled, and in its autumn tint of gold, from the lightning in the sky as it passed me flying by, from the thunder and the storm, and the cloud that took the form, when the rest of heaven was blue, of a demon in my view. Jory, it's Lawrence. I got your call about wanting to get into John Smith's house again, and something about Poe. Anyway, I called the sheriff to try to see if I could work something out, and he told me, well, I've got bad news. Apparently it burned down last night. You need to call me back soon. Bye. That Creepy Podcast is a bi-weekly podcast produced and written by Theodora. Edited by Seth Johnson. Music by Theodora. Special thanks to voice actors Katie Collier and Joseph Teagle. Find us on Instagram at That Creepy Podcast. And thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Something. Better hide it then. Time's up. You have company.